Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. I'm Sina Gaznavi, and my co-host Justin Williams and I are working with the team from Last Podcast to the Left to launch a new show called Fraudsters. That's right. We're like the Hall of Shame for scammers. This season, we'll show you the future with Miss Cleo. Call me now for your free reading. We've got Ponzi schemes. We've got crypto fraud. We've got catfishing. This will be a perfect podcast, 100% guaranteed or your money back. Sina, I think it's free. Oh, that's right. Fraudsters, starting next week, listen for free, only on Spotify. There's no place to escape to. This is the last time. On the left. (laughs) That's when the cannibalism started. There are so many people mystified by the tale of the Falk monster. <laughs> if you look out into the swampy bottomlands of Arkansas, the Texarkana <laughs> fields, the bean fields, thickly veined with cricks and hollers yeah. down in the thicketed bottomland, uh-huh. the thicketed deep brush of the swampy thick walled bottom yeah. land so were you going to pump my gas or am i supposed the to the lonely pump? cry okay. of the bigfoot I... is not too not a kin from the man's lonely cry right yeah just unleaded would be fine okay. <laughs> welcome to the last podcast on the left everyone i am ben hanging out with henry and of course marcus hello hope everyone is doing well out there Whoa! <laughs> That's a real cry <laughs> of the Bigfoot. The Bigfoot is that really that? It's That's not it. A, it's not a guttural cry. It is a cry not unlike, let's say, a young Emeril Lagasse dropped uh-huh. a hot egg on his foot. Oh. <laughs> he went, oh. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's entirely accurate. I know you guys do the uh, the bulk of the research, but I'm pretty sure when a Bigfoot stubs his toe, he says, fuck. <laughs> well, especially if he's from... Get ready to hear that word a whole bunch. Today we are talking about the very serious topic of the legend of Boggy Creek. Now the Falk Monster, aka the Beast of Boggy Creek, is somewhat different from other giant ape-like simians like your traditional Bigfoots and Sasquatches. Described as unkempt, rebellious, and malodorous, the Falk Monster is a cryptid with a specific personality and a long, localized history. 
Are you guys making fun of me? No, this is actually one of those where this is not a direct subtweet of you, Kissel, because you don't smell bad. Oh, thank no. you. No, no, you don't. We've always said this, surprisingly neutral. Yes, I, I'll take it. You kind of smell like, the way I would describe it, a new pool toy. Oh, that's nice. Blow me up whenever you want. <laughs> no, I, well, don't do that. All right, I get it. But there's something about the Falk monster that the Texarkana people are very proud of because they say that the Falk monster of any of the other cryptids uh-huh. is just not unlike a, a year 2000 era Kid Rock, oh, where he okay. is just, he's letting his freak flag fry, fleet fleet, he's letting his freak flag fry. It, honestly, it's a difficult saying. To begin with. Freak flag fly. <laughs> Freak flag fly. Yes. He's allowing that to fly. Okay. And he's also very skinny, but also kind of fat. Do you know that weird trailer park skinny? Yeah, like Kid Rock. Yeah, like Kid Rock or the cast of Duck Dynasty. Yes, very similar. <laughs> okay. Secret billionaires. But yes, they are. I, they all, the other thing about this episode, as I want to say straight up, um, if you're from Arkansas, I'm going to need you to just kind of buckle in. Really? <laughs> and just know for a fact that um, we've never been to Arkansas. Not yet. I and, have. And this is going to, there's a lot of bias that's going to come <laughs> from dog meat. Really? <laughs> wow. That liberal Texas bias Marcus is bringing. <laughs> well, this monster is unique in the sense that he seems to have made a home in one specific place outside of one specific town called Falk, Arkansas, oh. which rests just southeast of Texarkana, where the borders of Texas, Arkansas, and Louisiana meet. But you know what doesn't Ooh. meet there? Reading and writing. Oh, leave him alone, Henry. Leave him alone. I'd love to go to Texarkana, have a couple of drinks, have some conversations with the folks, because they tell you great tales, such as the legend of Boggy Creek. You mean Falks. I don't even know if I mean that, because I don't know what that means yet. Well, they can definitely tell some tales. They can spin a yarn, but Henry's uh, uh, comment about reading and writing is accurate. Oh, my God. Would you please stop demeaning the great people in the combined the combined forces of uh, of just charm that you would get from Texas, Arkansas, and Louisiana is something you can't even articulate in words, as you can tell as I try to do it. Know how you articulate it? You go, Well, since the beast is so localized around one small town that's never had more than a thousand people, damn near everyone who lived in and around Falk all have a story about the mysterious creature. Hmm. But for some people, these stories are more about other people's experiences with the phenomenon. As Chief Deputy H.L. Phillips put it, quote, I don't believe in it, but I'd say you don't argue with people who say they've seen it. They, They will shoot you. We're going to find out. That's the first reaction to a lot of these stories. <laughs> I love it. Oh, yeah. When uh, a rural person has seen something really fucking strange, you just try to fucking tell them they didn't see that. Okay, just- well, I'll, let me just clarify what Marcus just said. When a real American sees something strange, <laughs> you try to tell them they did not see something strange. Are you, are you trying to win the fucking Iowa primary right yeah, now? I am I trying like- to make our audience know that we love them no matter where they are. I know. I know. This is just- where I'm fucking from. I grew up in a place like this. And what did you do but abandon them, Mr. Parks? <laughs> yeah, that's what you should have done. You should have stayed and become a gas station vampire like Jody Arias. <laughs> first fucking boyfriend. By the way, yeah. I, Jody Arias' butthole needs to pay us a check. Yeah, because we just put that thing on the it's map. Spiked. 
<laughs> well, in other words, belief in the beast runs deep in Falk. Mm. But what's interesting is that there are no stories coming out of other small towns in the area with equally ridiculous names like Wicks, Granis, Umpire, Stamps, Oklahoma, Smackover, Norflet, <laughs> or Waldo. Oh my god. I love it so much. Just a town called Stamps. You know for a fact they don't even have a mailbox. They might not even have tongues. Well, aside from a few sightings about 60 miles southwest in Jonesville, Texas, ape-like humanoids in this area of the world seem to be specifically Falk-based. But it could also be that Falk is where ape-like humanoids, or... One lonely ape-like humanoid have decided to reach out to mankind. (laughs) True talk, though. You're a skunk ape. You don't want to be discovered. Obviously, as you were talking about, truly the education system in this country has failed. Literacy rates are down there. People aren't reading. They're not writing that much. What better place to keep a secret if no one can articulate what they saw on paper? But when they can't read and they can't write, there sure is a heck fire, a lot of boggy gossip. Yes, indeed. (laughs) That's the problem. You got a couple of gossip girls down there, and they are slowly but surely becoming women. Oh, yes, they are. (laughs) And Skunk Apes from Florida, so. Oh. Our source today is The Beast of Boggy Creek by Lyle Blackburn, which does a pretty damn good job of bringing all the disparate elements of this story together. And if that endorsement isn't enough for you, Bob Yarger of the Texas Bigfoot Research Center called it, quote, a first-rate piece of journalism. That's huge. I love what Bob said. They are very negative. Oh, indeed. <laughs> Mostly they are very, very negative. But, well, there's this story. There's also, there was a brand new Amazon uh, documentary on it, too, that I believe it's called the, the Boggy Creek Monster, which tries to revive some new tales of the Boggy Creek Monster. And I'm going to tell you what, they... It is vague. The Boggy Creek Monster. Are we still talking about Jody Arias' butthole? What's going on here? Hey, Kissel's got to save wow. it. Save wow. it to the end. we got to make it to the end. I don't know. Actually, I can no. do it now. You're right. Now, the Falk Monster first got press attention on May 3rd, 1971, when the Texarkana Gazette reported that a family had a run-in with a seven-foot-tall, hair-covered, ape-like creature that had glowing red eyes, an awful smell, and a habit of screaming into the night. Either that was the Bog Creek Monster, or Gary Busey is doing community theater around here. <laughs> as the Boggy Creek Monster. Yeah, I would definitely cast Gary Busey as the Boggy Creek Monster. He's low-key one of my favorite human beings that's ever lived. Uh, but you know what I will say? Because Marcus and I were talking about this as we were b- producing the episode, is that it's this cryptid of all of them, for some reason, it has a special charm. He's a real, like, if I were going to cast a cryptid, like, let's say I were to stunt cast a cryptid as Harry from Harry and the Hendersons, I would put this creature as the lead. I would cast this as Harry, but I would put a lot of stipulations in there of, like, not getting too close to him, especially if you're on your period. Right. And, like, don't get anywhere in there. If you if you spilt tuna juice on you in any way, shape, or form, or, oh, or if you got yeah. a bunch of rotten bananas, don't go anywhere near him. It sounds like you have a problem with craft services. That is. Are people craft just services is going to need tuna and old bananas? It's going to need to be really yeah. worked out, because those are for him. Don't right. touch his. Oh, I see. Okay. Now, as opposed to the lumbering, relatively laid-back Sasquatches of the Pacific Northwest, their southern cousin is said to be leaner, meaner, hairier, and without a doubt, louder than all the rest. 
Now, of course, once the story was run in the Texarkana Gazette, citizens in the area around Falk came out of the woodwork with stories about a wild man of the swamp from years before that they'd kept quiet for obvious reasons. And it wasn't like all this was just waved off. Law enforcement in the area took this seriously, with one constable, Ernest Walraven, arming himself in anticipation of more attacks. Because to him, all this sounded like all that shit that went down in Jonesville a few years ago. We don't want none of them attacks up here. Wait, did you just say his name was Walrus Walraven? <laughs> Ernest <laughs> Walraven. And okay, so he just he made is, that name up. He is a constable still. Um, which is a position that hasn't existed since the 1880s. Um, they call him Constable, because if you watch The Legend of Boggy Creek, it's like, and Constable Walraven, he's the one holding order around these swamps. And then he comes in there, and he has a musket. I see. And, of course, a constable is just a sheriff deputy who hasn't shat properly in 10 years. He, yes. <laughs> his, his constipation is stable. <laughs> But to really get a sense of how the people of Falk came to so easily accept the existence of a seven-foot-tall monster loping its way across the various bean fields of western Arkansas, we gotta go back to the 1800s, when most of that area was still an inhospitable and deadly swamp. And when it comes to the sort of area lost hominid like the Falk monster might live, there aren't many places in America more suited than the forest and swamps of western Arkansas and the scariest part of Texas— the Far East. I will say, I had eaten a huge edible, and I smoked a joint before watching The Legend of Boggy Creek, and there is just nothing funnier than the description of the narrator. Every day, just being like, and the thickets, <laughs> and the bushes, birds often find a home Aww. deep beside the thicketed brushlands <laughs> of the bottom land, so the good. sweet, sweet black waters. Of the bottom lane. So <laughs> I was just clapping. It seems out. sad. <laughs> seems like there's just, it's just like bushes and, and thicket. And it's the word falk. Falk. <laughs> the word falk just cracks me up. <laughs> well, those forests and swamps cover 2.9 million acres of land, veined with 9,000 miles of streams and rivers, and dotted with 600,000 acres of lakes. It's ribbed with the mountains, and, and it's got temperature control, all sorts of gets cold in order really? to titillate the inside caverns of Arkansas. And, and then there's an extra ridge at the side to, mm. to slowly massage the clitoris of the Texarkana border. <laughs> Is that right? All that means is that all that land, there's plenty to drink, plenty to eat, and plenty of places to hide. Ooh. However, a great place for an animal to go undiscovered for centuries might also be a great place for a man to get lost and lose his fucking mind. And it seems like the earliest sightings in the area of so-called hairy wild men might have been just that. Oh, cool. The concept of the boggy wild man seems to be so, like, plentiful in this time period and yeah. in, in this area that everybody who talks about it and when the first rash of modern sightings of the Boggy Creek monster came about they all just assumed it might just be some wild man living up in the woods sure. and I've never just assumed that the woods were just filled with men just <laughs> living there alone I did not know that that was so common that you could just say oh it must have been some kind of wild man I mean I love <laughs> the idea I love the concept of going out in the wilderness being all alone doing whatever you want to do but that at some point you gotta watch Netflix, and you can't. And I think there would definitely be some dark, lonely nights up there. But what? That's that's a lot of fun for these guys. I think moonshiners, perhaps. 
Well, I mean, these aren't people with homes or anything like that. Like these are wild men, wild men of the woods that find a cave, make a fire sometimes, but mostly survive on raw fish and frogs. Wow, cool guys. <laughs> Technically, that's what the original French did, and that started all cuisine. Hey, look at that. In 1851, the Arkansas Gazette and the Memphis Enquirer both reported on a story about two hunters who came across a large, hairy manimal trying to snatch a calf away from a herd of cattle. Now, these men, like many people who come across a creature like this, froze with fear, and when the creature noticed them, it did nothing more than stare and run off leaving behind 13-inch-long human tracks. Damn. Human-like tracks. Interesting. This is kind of upsetting, though, for the hunters, because you just got to let this guy get his meal. This guy obviously was going after the littlest one in the, in, the, in the herd, you know, going after the calf. He's probably starving. Why mess with this dude's dinner? Because somebody owns that calf. You know, there's a rancher that's dependent on that calf for his fucking livelihood. Yeah, dude, don't even get in the middle of the relationship of calves I know. and cattle and their owners and <laughs> ranchers. Know. It's like the biggest crime in the world is to steal a calf. I think yeah, that's what the Hatfield... Isn't that Hatfield and McCoy's? Wasn't that the whole premise? Was that there was a, It was a calf controversy? I thought that one of the Hatfields dressed as a ghost and scared one of the McCoy's <laughs> once in a weird filmed prank show called You Just Got Clonked. <laughs> I love that one. Well, five years later, a similar creature actually attacked someone, although this one was very likely one of the so-called wild men, because this one was just six foot four. Yeah, he oh, wasn't seven feet tall. And you know the attack is very similar to a Charles Manson dance, where he comes going, just like, He was, however, well-muscled. Oh. And it was said that this hair-covered manimal ran with the fleetness of a deer. <laughs> cool. It's like when I saw Kissel slowly descend into his pool. And when you watch <laughs> him slide into his pool, the fluid motions that come about a Kissel at motion in water <laughs> is kind of inspiring. It, 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 it is akin to seeing an, a manimal it find is. its true environment. It's a bit like that Prudential commercial with the, uh, with the whale saving you money on insurance. Hell yeah. I'll never understand why the whale is the uh, is the motto for Prudential, but that's a whole other conversation. We could have it for an hour and a half if you want to. <laughs> I want to die. Um. <laughs> now, witnesses knew how the manimal ran because for some reason, a group of Arkansas yokels had decided to capture him alive. But when one man approached on horseback, the hairy wild man tore him from his mount, scratched out his eye, and Ooh. bit a big hunk of flesh out of his shoulder. Damn! Leave him alone! <laughs> what is, I mean, what did the Bog Creek monster at this point, have they, have they at all attacked anyone other than people who are being aggressive towards it? Nope. There you go! Nope, absolutely not. No, it's the whole Arkansas thing. So get the good around my life. Don't let them tell me what to do. That man ain't got no clothes on. Get him. Get him. I don't like it. Get him. Well, you can't have a bunch of winkies running around all there, slapping each other's thighs with it. The wild man then tore the saddle and bridle from the horse, destroyed the implements of slavery, hopped on the animal, and tore off at full speed into the swamp, Woo! never to be seen again by the evil townsfolk who decided to capture him. So he's got a horse Like, you can kind of see, the, but in a while, you know, they're mad that they stole the horse, and they're mad that he destroyed the saddles, and he's sure. mad that he got bit in the shoulder. But at some point, they're like, that's a true American. 
That's awesome. <laughs> Marcus, uh, rancher mentality, you steal a horse or you steal a calf or you steal a cow, what's worse? What's going to get you uh, in the town square putting the stocks with tomatoes thrown at your face? Horse. And uh, horse. in the okay. Old West, if you stole someone's horse, uh, you would be killed. Yeah, uh, it, was a hang, it was a hanging offense. Well, I would, I would say uh, put your name on your horse so that I won't <laughs> accidentally steal it. Yeah, they brand it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They don't put like a tag on it. No, you just take a sharpie, put your name, be like Ben's horse. Ben's horse. <laughs> yeah. Well, about 10 years after that incident, another group of meddlesome locals actually managed to capture one of these wild men near Saline County. This one was a seven foot tall giant of the hills covered in thick hair, and he lived in the local caves. And again, he wasn't doing anything to anybody. Yep, just being a tall person. <laughs> I mean, you got to call him. You got to call them because when the tall people, when they get too, when there's too many of them, it's more of a, a pest-like situation. Uh-huh, is that you right? Yeah, you want to say that? Herd. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the decision was made to capture him. So the cruel townsfolk invaded his cave, lassoed him, and took him away to the jail in Benton. There, they dressed him in clothes against his will, which he tore off before escaping to a nearby building. Damn! Yay. He was recaptured. But unfortunately, the story, as it was told in the 1941 book Ozark Country, does not say how the whole saga ended. He became the town mayor. Yeah, we elected him mayor. He's the tallest man. Yeah, And that's who they were afraid to see because that was his whole thing. He's like, I see ahead above my competition. Yes, he does. And they they arrested him. Again, they were so happy. They elected him mayor. But then he made all houses illegal and everybody had to live in the caves. Now, that could have been some sort of lost hominid based on the extreme height. But there was one case in which a definite feral human was mistaken for one of these beasts of the night. In 1875, a quote-unquote half-wild animal had been stealing food from the local farmhouses and forcing women to cook him meals while the men were away at work. Although he never went further than that. Cook me eggs! I don't even see him having a weapon or anything. I just see him just walking around the living room going like, eggs, eggs, musical fruit, musical fruit. And they're like, what are you talking about? That's beans. He's like, eggs, you make me eggs, woman. Make him eggs. I watch a lot of omelet videos on Instagram. I get the power of the egg. I don't even want to fucking talk about this. Kissel just showed me three different omelet accounts. Literally, he it's is. It's a powerful Insta follow. He has subscribed to only eggs and he is just sending he just showed me like it was a hot woman he's like hey hey, henry hey they put avocado in it come look at this omelet i just looked at look at that that. they put avocado and bacon in. that's just what you kept saying i was like yeah it's an omelet but you were saying the avocado thing like it was some sort of like sexy woman taking off her bra like yeah yeah wait wait no no no. keep watching keep watching they're about to put the avocado in it (laughs) the avocado makes a big difference anyway no, I'd say this wild man. This did actually warrant a search because he was breaking into people's houses and forcing women to cook him food. But after the posse caught up to the wild man, they found he was actually a railroad worker who'd suffered a mental break two years before and had just sort of wandered off the job. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna be honest here, confess in the most ironic thing in the world. Yes, I'm a railroad man, and I did happen to go off the rails, which is really interesting to think about. About how technically the train yeah. is the most sane way to travel because it sits on the rails. On the rails, yeah. But me. I'm sick of the rails. 
<laughs> oh, man. The man was in such bad shape that by the time he was returned to society, one reporter lost all objectivity and described him as, quote, the wildest, greasiest, ugliest looking, half-clad specimen of humanity <laughs> and it was ever our lot to behold. Oh, my goodness. All right, you little, I'm going to, you're a limousine liberal. That's what I'm going to call you with your monocle and your and your belt buckle. Get out of here. Leave this guy alone. He was, however, declared fit for trial by a judge and was found of guilty of vagrancy and sentenced to 60 days in the Little Rock Jail. Just for living in a cave by himself. Well, also for breaking into the houses and stealing the food and forcing women to cook. cook they could have also just like <laughs> tried to give him food. <laughs> you know, maybe well, I guess they did when he was in jail, I suppose. And also, just he's also was just he was greasy and ugly and scary and half clad. So I also wonder if, if he wasn't even demanding cooking him eggs. It was more being like, You egg woman? <laughs> Can you make eggs in the, in the magic machine? You got yeah, just be nice to him. And he needs eggs. I'm, I'm just, I always everybody stop screaming when they look at me. Oh. I know I'm half clad. I know I'm greasy. Oh. And that just comes all the grease I put on me. Yeah, of course. That's why you're greasy. My sister is the best gift giver I've ever met of any person. It's Jackie Zabrowski. She shops all year thinking about her family and friends and puts little things aside for their birthdays and Christmases. I have no idea how she does it. I don't know how she do it. But guess what? She always wins Mother's Day, but not this year. I'm coming back. Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? I'm taking the crown. All right. Give the moms in your life an aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. I mean this. We have the aura frame up in my home. We absolutely love it. I can put photos on it very, very easily through the app. It's fun to do. And the memories keep cycling and I get emotional and we filled it with pictures of Carmi and Wendy. And that is not sad. That is celebratory. So you should try it. It's honestly a really good product. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code LEFT at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with Horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents' accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse pics over various country borders... I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. 
Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Yeah, we do. Do you love saving money? Oh my God, you bet. Then Philo may be your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. That's amazing. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles. It's just a better way to watch TV. Get with it, people. Philo has an unlimited DVR for one year. Save all your favorite shows so you can watch on your own schedule. Philo allows for multiple profiles and multiple streams, meaning that your children or significant other can't ruin your queue. Never miss a minute of shows like, oh, RuPaul's Drag Race. You're going to watch it. You're going to love it. You're going to get involved with it. And it's an extravaganza. You're going to love it. With Philo, you can start watching in seconds for less money and less hassle. Try it yourself with your seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash left. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash L-E-F-T to get 50% off your first month. Now, after that, there wasn't a whole lot of monster talk in western Arkansas, near as we can tell. But the Beast of Boggy Creek, or some variation, made its first appearance in 1965 outside of Jonesville, Texas, 60 miles southwest of Falk. On that day, 14-year-old Lynn Crabtree was out hunting squirrels when he heard the bellow of a dog. So he ran off in the direction of the noise, thinking that maybe some poor mutt had gotten snagged on a fence. Happens. Yeah, sure. But once he got to the source of the holler, he instead saw a, quote, hairy man or gorilla-type beast with long arms. And the beast seemingly looked agitated. <laughs> Maybe it was because all these crazy town folks were hunting it and all it wanted to do was live its pleasant life. This was a hundred years later. There hadn't, been a be- there hadn't been a big man hunt in a long time in Falk. Okay, good. By the boy's estimation, the creature was seven to eight feet tall and covered in four-inch-long reddish-brown hair. They've all got reddish hair, don't they? Do not they do. look at me when you say that, Marcus. I saw the look <laughs> on your face. I mean, we do notice that Kissel has not cut his hair in a certain period of time, and Kissel walks across the highways like Michael Landon. And you wonder at some point what is going to happen to Ben Kissel. Will he be subject to some form of cryptid hunt? Yeah, I think it's extremely possible. That's why I stay out of the woods. Now, since Harry and the Hendersons was still a couple of decades away, Lynn Crabtree had no idea what was standing in front of him. So, thinking he had a wild man on his hands, Lynn pointed the gun at the creature. Of course. Thing was, though, the creature didn't seem threatened by the firearm at all and started walking towards the boy. Lynn, by now terrified, tried shooting the creature in the head, but missed, firing three shots total before fleeing back home. Now, Lynn told his father, Smokey, all about the encounter, but never spoke of it again, taking the story to his grave in 2011. I love it. He's like, we got to reference Dumb and Dumber, right? When Jim Carrey has the gun and he shoots a whole bunch and he misses everybody? Or was that was that Jeff Daniels? No, that's uh, that that's is, Jeff Daniels. That's, that's Jeff, Jeff Daniels. Daniels. Jeff yeah. Daniels shoots everyone and then he was a bad shot. Oh, gosh. I'm happy I brought that up. <laughs> I am, too. <laughs> yes, I indeed. am, too. Funny movie. I wonder if the Boggy Creek monster was just kind of doing the whole, like, we're going to see that there's a loneliness yes. at the heart of the Boggy mm-hmm. Creek monster where he was just going, 
Uh, please play Monopoly with me. <laughs> and the, all the little boy could think to do was shoot his gun at him. Isn't that sad? But even though Lynn never talked about it again, his dad, Smokey Crabtree, sure as hell talked about it and immediately went out to shoot the creature himself, later admitting that he knew full well that he could have been shooting at just some guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, Smokey may not have been sober. Maybe. Maybe. Not. I mean, anybody named Smokey that still has a jaw, I honestly don't trust. <laughs> Smokey tried getting his dogs to run the creature out of hiding, but the dogs refused to go into the woods, which would be a common theme when it comes to tracking down the beast of Boggy Creek. Dogs hate it, or at least dogs are terrified of it. Yeah, I get that. Actually, in the the movie The Legend of Boggy Creek, like there's a scene where they're bringing out dogs, and the narrator's like, they brought the most famous dogs in all of Tennessee. Yes, I remember. I was joking about that with Natalie. It was like, what is this? Are these fucking dog TikTokers? Like, how are they famous? They're what influencers. are they famous for? Being dogs. When the dogs refused, Smokey tried a wounded rabbit call. Do you want me to show you an example of the wounded rabbit call? I know what a wounded rabbit call sounds like. No, so do I. So do I. All right. Yeah, I'd love to hear it. Ouch. Ouch. <laughs> Wow. Wow. You are very lucky I don't have a gun with me. What is it, Marcus? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's awful. Okay. It's one of the worst sounds on earth. <laughs> Nailed it. This is fun. Ouch. Well, that, at the very least, got a response in the form of a lonely cry, which Smokey said started off sounding like a house cat, then it turned into something like goat chatter before ending on something like an owl. Okay. Yeah. For me, it it was like... Wow. This is a great episode. This is really interesting. <laughs> Fun wow. Noises with the Boys, our new podcast. <laughs> fun Noises with the Boys. Hey, Dogman, here's a new fun noise. That's a pretty good one, but I, I'm more before like, yeah, 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 yeah. All right. I think we got a lot of, we've had a lot of fun with the noises today, guys. Now let's whoop, open up the box and whoop. Put the fun noises away. <laughs> He's making up. noises now, too. That's fun. <laughs> but they're in the lockbox now. Once the creature presumably figured out the wounded rabbit call was a fake, he simply sounded annoyed and made a noise that was something between a scream and a growl. And he wasn't heard from for years afterward. Damn. Damn. Okay. He showed up again in 1969 when a woman named Louise Harvin was two miles south of Jonesville about to go into her job as a meat cutter at the D&W Packing Company. What a great job that is. Honestly, that's a strong woman. She said that just as she was about to go inside, she heard a ruckus coming from the hog pen. She walked over and saw a large, hair-covered, ape-like creature standing on two legs eating scraps of food from the pig slop. Oh. She said he was so hairy and was eating so greedily 
that the food hung from his mouth and clung to the fur on his chest. Okay, you okay, me. first of all, I'm actually I'm also feeling insulted, weirdly. I'm also like, it's the way he's talking about it. It's the way he's well, describing it. What, what do you mean? Can, I don't okay, know. Can what, I just, I, that was seriously not meant as a slide at all. Man, no, you guys you, end you, up with you, food in your chest hair a lot, don't you? No, I, I don't have chest hair. <laughs> but um, can we just not say the word greedily when it comes to a person eating pig slop? I think it's safe to say the last thing that we could describe this person as is greedy. It seems like they didn't really want anything other than pig slop. I also think that that the only porno that Kissel and I would ever be in together would be called Ruckus in the Hog Pen. <laughs> I want to be the top pig. Good, good, because I want to be the sandwich pig. <laughs> well, once a creature saw it, he was being watched. He suddenly stopped eating, and within seconds, he jumped the hog fence and disappeared into the woods. Hmm. The weird thing was, the creature seemed to follow not the slop, but Mrs. Harvin after that night. I think that she'd be insulted if he was just after the slop after all this time. When you had a fully strong-bodied, meat-cutting woman right there. It's also like, if you're the next best thing to slop, it's kind of an insult too, right? I don't know. Not long after the hog pen encounter, Louise was at home and stepped out onto her porch early one morning, and she saw the same creature licking what was left of the dog food out of an old hubcap she used as a dog bowl. Just give these people food. They're not people, they're... Creature, the creature. Give the creatures food. <laughs> no, but then you're building. You like then it's coming back and it's coming. Then you back. build a trust with it, and then it becomes domesticated, and then you can live as the aforementioned Henry and the Harrison Fords. What's the name of that <laughs> Henry movie? Henry and the Harrison Fords <laughs> coming to you at CBS <laughs> this fall. It's me living with Harrison Ford and his family, Harry, bothering them uh, about Harry, when the new Star Wars is coming out. Harry and the Hendersons. Well, the thing is, is that. If you domesticate a seven-foot-tall, semi-primate-like animal creature yeah. that you know is packing, right? At some point, oh, you're worried Harvin, he's going to take your wife. Well, you're you know you're a lonely woman covered in pig's blood, and you are sitting there. You're Louise Harvin. That I mean, I don't know what you're taking, but I guess it's like. I guess if you want to trap one for your own purposes, sure. you totally can. But then slowly but surely, you got to start putting dog food on your pussy. You well, I don't know if you, you have, have to. to. Do, you don't have to do that. <laughs> you know, a lot of people, uh, a lot of people live their whole lives being lonely and never have sex with animals. Exactly. You do know that, right? But Bigfoot is such a he's such a fine line. I don't think it's bestiality to have sex with a Sasquatch. Well. I actually agree with Henry here because what many people say about specifically the Falk monster is that his face is much more human than ape. In okay. fact, it's eerily human. All right. I think it's fine to have sex with a Sasquatch. Buddy, Thank you. I was going to let Thank both you. of you move on. But if yes, if you want to double down, sure, go in there and have sex with the Sasquatch. The encounter with Miss Harvin, that was the last time the creature showed up in Jonesville because the next time the creature or some variation was seen, it had traveled 60 miles northwest to Falk, where its fame as an American monster would truly begin. Yay! In late April of 1971, the Ford family, who had just moved to Falk five days before, started getting harassed by a creature that was, by their estimation, seven feet tall and three feet across. Oh, man, it's William the Fridge Parish. William the the Fridge Parish, Chicago Bear. Good 1986 football reference. That's all I got. Yes, indeed. Now, at first, Bobby Ford thought the thing was just a bear, but that opinion changed when Bobby's brother Don saw it running upright, fast as anything, 
during the first two visits from the creature. Hmm. On the third visit, though, the soon-to-be-named Falk monster literally reached out to try and make contact with the human. Elizabeth Ford said she'd been sleeping in the front room when the curtain moved and a clawed hand covered in heavy hair stuck out through the window. That's a little scary. It is scary. This is the legend of Boggy Creek, though, very much so wants to make Bigfoot scary. And I've never personally been afraid of Bigfoot. Like, it's not a thing. It's not scary to me. Same thing with the movie Willow Creek, which must be ripping off of Legend Boggy Boggy Creek or it's an homage to it. But it's like, I've never been scared by Bigfoot. No. It's because it's him just trying. Essentially, he's just like, give me eggs. Like, he's just (laughs) trying to, like, say hello. He might be trying to pet the pretty lady. Well, he's a little bit like Lenny, perhaps, which is a dangerous kind of love. It is. of course, he can snap your neck, but that's okay. I'm going to see if Max Brooks can do it. His new novel, the same guy that did World War Z, his new novel is about a Sasquatch invasion that happens in the middle of an eruption of a volcano. Cool. That's awesome. I just started it. So I I think if, if anybody could do it, it's him. That's cool as hell. Hell yes. Well, Elizabeth Ford looked closer and saw red eyes that burned like coals of fire. And it made no noise except its normal breathing. So it wasn't necessarily threatening. It was just breathing normally. Okay. It was curious. (laughs) Nothing wrong with that. Now, naturally, this being rural Arkansas, the first instinct the Ford family had was shoot it. Got to. But this is an, unco- an uncommon reaction to a Sasquatch-like creature. And it's actually so common that the magazine Outdoor Life published an article a few years ago titled, Would You Shoot Bigfoot? And this is my question. It's I don't think it should be, would you shoot B- yeah. Bigfoot? It should be, should you shoot Bigfoot? Should you? <laughs> if it's threatening, I suppose, and you're scared. But I don't think that you should. I really don't I, think I don't so. think so either. I think that's actually, that, that would be, what a waste to kill a Bigfoot. Yeah, that's very true. Well, this is one of the big points of contention in the Bigfoot hunting world. Some are pro-kill, meaning they want a specimen no matter what the cost. If we have to kill the only Sasquatch in America in order to find out that Sasquatch is real, they'll fucking do it. Oh, I mean, it might be nicer than making it a circus performer or something like that. You look at the film King Kong. He wasn't very happy being all tied up there. That was fiction. We don't know if Bigfoot doesn't want to go on tour. We don't know. (laughs) I'm just saying. Other Bigfoot hunters, like the North American Wood Ape Conservancy, are what they (laughs) Wood Ape, I don't know, make, I don't know why that Wood Ape makes me laugh so fucking I don't know what it is, too. I can't say Wood wood Ape without laughing. There's something about the over-serious, like, science. It's very serious. Because it's them trying to be like, um, actually, we would classify it as a wood ape. Ah, <laughs> it's yes, like, of course, of all course. apes live in the woods. Sure. <laughs> For the sure. most part, unless they're in a zoo, they are living in some form of like a wooded thing. They're living in I nature. I would think so. Well, so there's never... some mountain monkeys. Aww. Mountain monkeys is cute as hell. Mountain monkeys is cute, yeah. <laughs> but there are mountain monkeys. Yeah, yeah, of course. Monkeys are everywhere. Well, the North American Wood Ape Conservancy considers themselves pro-science meaning they only want to observe. Okay. Not surprisingly, the Ford family and Falk were pro-kill, and they chased the creature around their property, firing seven times with their shotgun before they called the local constable, Ernest Walraven. Ah. Ernest Walraven also has the funniest hat I've ever seen a human being have. The the Legend of Boggy (laughs) Creek has some of the best collection of hats I have seen in such a long time because they are frozen 
in time. He is wearing the only way I could describe it is a ver- it is something across between a train conductor's cap okay. and a pope hat. It is <laughs> like a. It looks like a bishop. It's a bishop's hat made out of corduroy. Corduroy, <laughs> and he shows up and he's just like, you know, going around here. You know, it's definitely it's bigger feet than normal. These are bigger feet than normal. Bigger feet than normal. You got to believe the constable. Well, Ernest Walraven not only believed the Fords, but he joined in, bringing his own shotgun and a stronger spotlight. And they also had, he had to leave for the night. I remember this bit, and he's like, "All right, y'all can borrow my gun. I'll come get it in the morning." And then he like, <laughs> and I was like, "You just got to borrow the cop's gun." That's a different like, time. <laughs> well, that was one. It. That was one of the uh, I guess reenactments from Legend yes. of Boggy Creek. They weren't actually there when Walrus was like, "You can borrow the gun. I'll be back tomorrow." Like they. It was reenactment. Yeah. But that is the kind of community policing we need. You have my gun. <laughs> have have actually, my gun. And take my badge in case you got to arrest him, okay? And here's some handcuffs, and here's my car, and, and here's my wife. Just so you can feel the state-specific life of what it's like to be Constable Walrath. See, isn't that nice? Well, the family waited on the porch for the creature to return, and when they saw movement, they fired and thought they saw it fall. But when they walked towards the spot where they thought they'd find a corpse... The beast, still very much alive, grabbed Bobby Ford. Whoa. Well, because they keep on trying to shoot the damn thing. You You're can right. only get away with it for so long before a big creature starts to starts to say, Stop it now. Enough. <laughs> <laughs> so scared. Well, Bobby said he felt a hairy arm come over his shoulder, and the next thing he knew, he was on the ground in a seven-foot-tall, now heavy-breathing creature with big red eyes the size of half dollars was standing over him. The best I could describe it, it felt like Lyndon Baines Johnson just came up <laughs> behind me and m- mounted me. The way I describe the Boggy Creek monster is like he's like the Joe Spinell of cryptids, hmm. where he is he likes to watch heavy okay. breathing, like he just likes <laughs> yeah. watching and seeing what women do, and he breathes from the corner. Because to me, Mothman's a cool customer. Yeah, right. Sure. Not not too. He doesn't sweat. All. You can't really see him sweat. Right. Yeah. The fucking Dover Demon, you know, chill, weird, distant. Okay. But I would say Boggy Creek Monster is, he's right up there, he's a little uncomfortable, and he'll get sweat on you. Yes, yeah. he will. Well, stop trying to kill the damn thing. And even though they tried to kill the creature, the attack went no further, and Bobby was able to break free and run for the house. And they were no longer terrorized by the beast. Now, after this story was printed in the papers, the whole area around Texarkana seemed to be infected with creature fever. Yay! <laughs> That's fun. It is fun. It's fun, yeah. A little less than a month later, a Mr. and Mrs. D.C. Woods Jr. and a Mrs. R.H. Sedgas all saw a large hairy creature crossing the road a few miles south of Falk near Boggy Creek, which is what gave the creature its established residence. Okay. Now, there were a few people trying to be reasonable here, with both papers and Texarkana publishing follow-up articles suggesting the creature might be a mountain lion, a puma, or possibly even a gnarly horse that had been seen lumbering around Highway 71. Oh, horrible ideas. Horrible ideas. Uh, yes. <laughs> Very boring. <laughs> what Are there such a thing as Arkansas Panthers? Because yeah. this guy, every one of the sheriffs keeps saying, it's a panther. This yeah. is some kind of swamp panther. And I was oh. like, I, is there swamp panthers in the middle yeah. of the Texarkana yeah, dude, area? There were, there were panthers on uh, my uh, on the, the ranch near where I grew up, like up until, like, I don't know. I think my dad saw the last one like five years ago. No like, shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Aren't still... they like endangered? 
Yeah, that's why they're endangered. You used to see them all the fucking time, but they got hunted out of existence mostly. Oh my god! Um, yeah, Texas, Louisiana, Arkansas. Yeah, dude, <laughs> I mean, gigantic big fucking cats. They got hunted out. Oh. They start eating your grandkids, and you know you, you got to run faster. Yes, <laughs> so I don't think you'll be the panther. <laughs> but even though some people were trying to be reasonable, the calls kept coming in. On June 2nd, officials were forced to respond to a call from three individuals who'd seen a tall, hairy creature with red eyes squatting on an embankment. And (laughs) cops were even required to respond to a report of a child who saw a monster in the woods on June 5th. Yeah, Kissel, maybe you shouldn't go to the woods. Yeah, because I can totally see you being caught by the police squatting on an embankment. (laughs) Is this illegal? Is it illegal for me to take a shit on this rock? Yeah, well, you arrested squirrel over there. I'll fucking just shit next to his shit. <laughs> oh, it was just trying to poop. Sir, this is a, this is a grass embankment in front of a 7-Eleven. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the big sightings came about a week and a half later when Yather Kennedy found mysterious footprints in old Willie Smith's bean field. I hate finding mysterious footprints in my buddy's bean field. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Who's been in your bean field there, buddy, other than myself? <laughs> 13 inches long and four and a half inches wide. These tracks are unique and some say fake because they are the only hominid tracks that feature three toes. Ooh. But as impossible as a three-toed hominid seems, old Willie Smith maintained that he himself had seen the creature in 1955, although he thought it was just a wild man he'd shot at 15 times with his army rifle and Leave failed to kill. Isn't I, that murder? That, that is Did you just shoot at wild men? That's just a person in the woods. Stop shooting at <laughs> Also, these sheriffs just need to get everyone in the town, into the town center. Everyone has to remove their shoes, and we're going to count toes. We're looking at toes today. We're looking at toes. Oh, my God, Jeb. You got seven? Seven toes. I can't be me. <laughs> damn, damn, Jeb. Honestly, I'm, I'm going to say... Lord was generous with toes with you, wasn't he? Yes, he was. And this is why I can't walk right. Now, old Willie Smith thankfully missed, but it still wasn't enough to scare the creature away. As he said, the beast showed up again behind his house a few days later and was, quote, throwing chunks at my dog. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, chunks of what? Chunks of dirt? Uh, the claws throw, of, I don't know. Chunks. Th- that was it? Just chunks? <laughs> chunks of his own shit? What was happening? <laughs> that was the only quote. Throwing chunks at my dog. <sighs> All right. Yeah. I love it. Maybe it was the fat kid from the Goonies. <laughs> oh. <laughs> he tried shooting it again, but once more missed. And one thing that people did point out was that whatever had made those tracks had been careful to not step on any of the young bean plants in the bean field, which points more toward old Willie Smith wanting to protect his crop than a wild beast bounding through the beans. Okay. You fucking dare disturb my beans. Is it weird that I I didn't even really know that beans grew underground? I honestly had no clue how beans were remotely made. I thought that they were grown in a lab. Yeah. (laughs) Depends on the bean. It does, doesn't it? I've always said that. Is there bushes? <laughs> I know well, bushes there's... bake beans, but they don't come from a bush. I'm not sure. Or there's green beans, you know, they're they're on the they got you know, they're in the little the thing, and then there's, you know, other legumes that are underground, you know, like peanuts and such. Yes, Welcome and... to Bean Corner here on the Funny Noise <laughs> Hour Corner. with the last podcast boys. Wow, what a show. <laughs> this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest and I guess I can share it here. I eat mayonnaise for fun. 
It's a hobby of mine. And it's an addiction. And it's a daily weight on my life. How much I need whipped egg whites and oil crammed into my veins. As soon as I wake up, and a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors, big and small. Some people are presidents. Some people are soldiers. Some people have to eat mayonnaise, especially with hard-boiled eggs, which is what I eat for lunch. But I guess I should share that in therapy. Because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And what I do is I just add eggs if I have mayonnaise left over. I just continue to add the eggs. But if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. My God. I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp! H-E-L-P dot com slash LastPod. No matter what kind of work you do, how you communicate is key. All those emails, reports, and presentations are equally important to the collaboration needed to get things done. Grammarly can help. Grammarly is your AI writing partner to help you communicate more effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact at work. And isn't that what matters most? Better writing means a stronger impact. Grammarly works across 500,000 apps and websites. You can't escape it. Like the ever-pervasing octopus of malice that is the NSA. Grammarly is watching your every move, making sure that you're doing it right. Data privacy and security are woven into the foundation of Grammarly, into the very essence of its nature. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner, and it helps your team make their point and move faster, because that's the key there. Work smarter, not harder. Yes, Grammarly. You know how many times it saves me from writing a long, rambling, one-sentence email at 4 o'clock in the morning to my beloved employees? Makes me sound like someone who doesn't just have a BA in theater. All right, I was taught how to be a tree. I was not taught how to survive as an adult. All right, my job was to cry in front of a weird Southern man who just told me all sorts of weird stuff about my body. I didn't learn how to write. So thank you, Grammarly, because you're making me the boss I gotta be to motivate my team to get out there. Oh, man, you don't want to mess with them. Thanks, Grammarly. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Sign up and download for free. Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. That's one of my favorite things about it. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free 
plant consultation forever. Now, personally, I'm in the middle of re-landscaping my yard. I like to do it myself because I called up a landscaper to see how much it cost, and it was absolutely insane. Plus, I love dirt. I love getting my hands in the dirt, and I love planting things myself. And fast-growing trees has given me some wonderful plants that I can use. Like, I got this uh, Texas sage. It's purple. I've dug up a whole bunch of horrible bushes and shrubs up in front of my window and in front of my house and put some purple Texas sage up there, and it's going to thrive, and it's going to look real good. And I didn't even have to go to a nursery to buy it. It came to my house. Now, this spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEFT at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code LEFT at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code LEFT. Offers valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. And of course, just as the hubbub reached its height, the shenanigans began. On June 28th, three young men claimed to have been attacked and clawed by the Falk monster. But after Sheriff Greer noticed blood under their fingernails, they admitted they just got real drunk and got into a fight with each other. Oh, of course. And you blame it on the Bog Creek monster. Tale as old as time. I will say, though, my other buddy was on my other buddy's shoulder. So technically, we got the hot correct. Yes, we did. <laughs> One radio station, KAAY, offered a $1,090 reward for the capture, and a local man named Ray Scoggins offered an additional $200 for reasons unknown. Marcus, if you could go back in time, I really do wish that we were local radio DJs in Texacarna. Texacarna? Oh. Texacana. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, work at KAAY, 1090 AM. Oh, I'd love that so much. Yeah, I would they be doing. To, the, they used to get paid pretty good. Yeah, every day I'd be doing the Bean Report. Yes, and then I would be doing the Boggy Creek g- Watch every day. You have I, to, but it's just hours of me going. You seen them yet? You seen them yet? And now let's take some calls. <laughs> ben, I guarantee you, I could get you a job at KVRP in Haskell. There, you know, and you'd be listened to by every single farmer that's out on his tractor. I don't think they'd like me, Marcus. <laughs> Because <laughs> of your city ways and your refined palate. <laughs> However, officials had to put a stop to the bounty after 500 hunters prowled the woods drunk and armed oh and damn God. near killed each other in an attempt to claim the bounty. But the main reason why we all know the Falk monster is because a man named Charles B. Pierce made a movie based on the community's experiences we've mentioned a couple times already called The Legend of Boggy Creek. Now, Pierce had moved to Texarkana to open an ad agency in 1969 and had a bit of experience in the entertainment world from playing a character called Mayor Chuckles on a local TV show. (laughs) Honestly, it does make you laugh. And Mayor Chuckles was also his code name in the human trafficking circle. Yes, of course. (laughs) I believe that. Um, Also, what ads is he running exactly like Baines. And Beans. Beans. <laughs> like what, Beans. Like, what is the ad company doing necessarily we are currently out of beans, beans. so you're out of beans <laughs> we'll put a new ad up when we have beans okay uh, yeah i mean texarkana they've there's 40,000 people there that's a lot there's a lot of people to advertise to yeah <laughs> 
Now, Pierce wanted to make a scary movie, so using the story of the Falk monster as the basis, he essentially created a new genre of horror, the fake documentary, and had locals pretty much play themselves. It was a, it's kind of a legendary movie. I know that it definitely started the craze of the Bigfoot schlock films in the 1970s, and the legend of Boggy Creek is such a... I don't know. I really enjoyed it. It was very fun, but it's like, it's so, it's very old school. It is very slow paced, but they did a recent remaster of it and it's beautiful. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. If you like watching uh, boys eat eggs, there's yep. a lot of that in there. I oh. just saw myself in them. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have you guys been looking at my Pornhub search engine again? <laughs> <laughs> The cool thing about this movie was that it was actually a DIY success story, because after studio reps literally laughed him off the phone, he rented out theaters to show the film himself and made $25 million off a budget of 100000 Yeah, Good for him. Hell yeah. Forget these studios. They don't know drag squat. But since the movie was such a gigantic smash hit, People descended on Falk by the thousands to try and get a glimpse of the monster because the movie had presented the creature's existence as a sure reality. And the one thing I'll say about Falk is that it definitely wasn't tourism and camera ready. They are not a um they, they are not. Uh, they are not necessarily cosmopolitan place. I don't know if it's necessarily a nice place to even go remotely at all. Oh, I don't I'm think... sure there's some beautiful scenic views. It's and I'm not sure about the people the are very polite. I'm talking about the people. I'm not yeah. talking about the people. I don't know. They seem to be fairly happy with living in a town that's only 350 people. And it seems that having a lot of outsiders come is not probably their main prerogative. Well, maybe they're very smart. Look what Silicon Valley did to Austin, Texas. So maybe yeah, they had sure to preserve. They fucking ruined it. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. And Austin is still a fine place. It's a fun place to visit. Love Austin. It's just a little expensive these days. Well, going off of the publicity of the movie, the Texarkana chapter of the JCs, the same organization so beloved by John Wayne Gacy, offered huh. a reward of $10,000 for the capture of the monster alive. What if they actually captured this monster? They, have, they don't have $10,000. There is no money. <laughs> no. They just put these numbers on a wanted sign and hope yeah. that, and they knew it was never going to happen. You're going to find out. There's a lot of loopholes in there. You're going to find out like, ah, but you needed to put him in a bag. Ah. People also flooded Falk with letters, with nearly 800 people writing to the mayor's office, thinking for some reason that the mayor had some inside information on the creature's existence. It's like thinking the president knows anything about UFOs. Yeah. <laughs> That is on a need-to-know basis, deep within the intelligence community of Falk, which is just a guy named Clarp, just sitting in a shed somewhere, just being like, I know every secret around here. I can tell you, I'll find you four birds. That's why you always have to trust people named Clarp. You never know. Those, Those people hold the answers to many, many questions. But the people of Falk knew an opportunity when they saw it. One of the early entrepreneurs was local Bill Williams, who opened up the Boggy Creek Cafe and featured items like the three-toed sandwich and the Boggy <laughs> Creek breakfast. Oh, I love it. I would be there in a freaking heartbeat. May I ask, what are the toes? Is, that a, is it a mott stick? Is that a chicken <laughs> finger? What are the toes? I'm going to have to know. I bet you it's literally like a turkey sandwich. <laughs> they just called the three-toed sandwich. I'll take it. Well, old Willie Smith of the Beanfield, he joined in and went 
Bull merch, making money clips, keychains, ashtrays, cards, bumper stickers, and all manner of tchotchkes engraved with the words Home of the Falk Monster. Cool. And he sold all of it out of his gas station. That's and huge. he sold out of all of it. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. All of us would have bought something if we stopped by one of those roadside attractions. I love roadside attractions. I still will. I will go to Falk to yeah. get merch. Absolutely. <laughs> But today, the most coveted item in Willie Smith's merch extravaganza were casts of the original three-toed track. But it's coveted because the originals were tragically lost when the Boggy Creek Cafe mysteriously burned down in the late 70s. Uh, that may have been during a divorce. People were smoking inside a lot. Yeah. Uh, the, this is also what I loved about them talking about the original cast. They're like, and you knew it was genuine because there was leaves caught in the bottom of it. Look at that. You can't fake that. You can't fake it. You cannot fake There's leaves. There's no way to fake leaves in plaster. No. And I will always think about my story about how I got I got entertained out of $60 by that Bigfoot enthusiast who sold me the, the, the limited edition Bigfoot cast. But you do have that Bigfoot cast now, don't you? I have two of them now. You have two, so yeah. <laughs> yes, indeed. Is it a left and a right or a double right? Double left? Left and right? They're, they're both left. Oh, no kidding. Well, perhaps the strangest artifact of the whole hullabaloo was a bizarre, hastily recorded garage rock single called Falk Monster. It sounds like a 1973 version of Primus ripping off Jerry Reed's Amos Moses. It's actually pretty it. fucking cool. It's cool. I love it. Let's hear it. <laughs> I love it. Dude, it's so good. <laughs> Here we come. Woo! Whoa! <laughs> you, you get the idea. It goes on and on like that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I feel like the Becky in the corner being like, oh, I do think my, my future husband is going to make it in the business. <laughs> yes, yeah, indeed. That's my Billy, Billy Cole and the Folk Monsters. It sounds like it was recorded in one take, but they did the best that they fucking could. That sounds awesome. And it wasn't easy. To, it, you know, it wasn't so easy to record back then. You had to set up quite a few things. It's the 70s. It was more difficult. He he is right. It, it was okay. more difficult, but you did also just kind of show up to a record, a recording studio, and just say like, "Hey, this guy will do it for me." Well, I was. I don't mean to defer to dog meat when it comes to <laughs> questions about the recording in, processes of things. I would say in some ways it was easier, in some ways it was more difficult. Okay. All right. Okay. So I guess it's not that simple, is it? I guess it's complicated. <laughs> But not everybody in Falk enjoyed the notoriety that the legend of Boggy Creek brought. Now, first, Smokey Crabtree was all in on the hullabaloo, and he even published a book in 1974 called Smokey and the Falk Monster, which, from what I hear, is mostly about catfish noodling, hog hunting, and snakes. And honestly, you can write a whole book about that, and somebody did. Catfish yep. noodling is one of the craziest things. I'm still amazed that it happens, and it's scary. It's yeah. amazing what they what these people do with the fist and the catfish and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember a, a friend of mine. His mom dated a guy who was an expert catfish noodler, but he suspected that he couldn't read. 
Yep. Oh. I, something tells me that those two factors sometimes <laughs> wow. arrive together. Wow. Really? I'm just, I am a city boy. I know. You are I a would city never, boy. I don't even, I don't really like lakes. Like, I don't like lakes anything. Lakes are great. I just don't like all the, the stuff in it. I like a pool. And I know that if I were to be bit by a catfish... I would scream, and it would yeah. end the vacation. Like it I would hurt never. That bad. They don't. Well, they don't. Well, they do bite, but yeah, yeah they don't. But think it didn't they have hurt the sharpest teeth. I would They're go back to the hotel <laughs> if I stuck my foot, my hand in the swamp, and I got and I got, accidentally if I got noodled by a catfish, <laughs> I truly would quit. I'd be like, I'm done with this. You're done with life in general. It's just all over. We're going back to the Marriott. Wow, you are Dan Aykroyd's character. In uh, in one of my favorite films of all time. Yeah, The Great I, Outdoors. <laughs> great Outdoors, that's correct. <laughs> no, it is true. Well, seemingly, things were going well for Smokey, but the Falk monster phenomenon started to sour for Smokey after Charles Pierce had apparently promised the people of Falk a paycheck and never delivered. Oh, what? Are you telling me in the world of cryptids somebody didn't follow up with the promise of pay? <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I can't believe it. Oh, Smokey even, he filed a lawsuit, went all the, traveled all the way to Los Angeles to have it heard. And of course, he lost because it was a, uh, you know, it was a handshake deal. It was like uh, Charles Pierce was like, yes, of course, everyone in Falk will get a proceeds of the profits. And then once he made $25 million, he said, fuck you, I'm not giving you anything. Yeah, well, fuck you, you honestly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, fuck this shit. People complain all about how everything is legal, all the paperwork, and I hate all the legalities and all the red tape. But you gotta you gotta honor the handshake deal. You, mm-hmm. you gotta sign on the dotted line. No, it's the opposite. Get shit in writing always. I, always. No, I know that get we shit have, in writing. I know that that you have to do that now. But it's unfortunate if you make a handshake deal, that should be your word should be your bond. It's more mm-hmm. of a test of a man's character. Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. Well, in addition to that, the monster hunters showing up in Falk didn't treat Smokey with quite the respect that he thought he deserved, and some even called him and his family liars. Or call them at all hours of the night to ask rude or silly questions. <laughs> Which is very sad. Eh? All night just getting the ring, ring, ring. Yep. Uh, uh, this is the Boggy Creek Monster Information Center. Um, tell me, um, uh, tell me, are you a fucking piece of shit? <laughs> Bye, fuck you, fuck you. <laughs> all night. <laughs> like, oh, you? man. Damn it, I thought that they'd ask a pertinent question. All right, ring, ring. Yep, Boggy Creek Monster Information Center. Hey, you fucking piece of shit. I had sex with their wife last night. Whoa, yep. okay. can do that. Fuck you, buddy. Fuck you, fuck you. Fuck this you. is unbelievable. It's not even the most creative <laughs> phone hackling. The Monster Hunters also had a habit of trespassing on Smokey's land. So he put up signs that said, Private, Monster Hunters or Sight Seekers are not welcome. And, Lake Closed, Sickness. <laughs> Just okay, right. it was, but it wasn't spelled. I know what you're thinking, but it wasn't spelled with a Q and two dollar signs. Okay. It is. It, he just it said just, sickness. It just said lake sickness. Okay, great. I mean, I'd stay out. I'd stay away. But of course, posting the signs just meant that the monster hunters had more souvenirs to steal. Oh man! <laughs> Damn it! Give it away, merch. And when another group of them showed up demanding to speak to Smokey, he chased him away with a shotgun and landed in the sheriff's office. 
to be honest, I think that that shows a lot of restraint from Smokey. That's the only time that he brandished a shotgun yeah. and a bunch of monster hunters. They were trespassing. What's weird, though, is that after the movie hysteria died down, there were further sightings of a somewhat different Falk monster. The second one was still hairy, but instead of a giant beast, the monster seen by witness Orville Scoggins Ooh. was only four feet tall, but still oh. crept around the bean fields. It's a little baby it's one. It's a baby one. Dude, that means that the Bog Creek monster had sex with maybe a human woman. You, I mean, <laughs> you don't know what happened to Louise Harvin. We have not heard hide nor tail her first since, and she oh. was slowly introducing the Bigfoot to the concept of having a nice meal made for you. Okay. <laughs> Then, in 1974, the original Falk monster returned with a vengeance and jumped into a trailer being pulled by locals, the Giles brothers, and trashed the sweet motorcycles they'd been hauling around before it jumped out and ran back into the woods. Damn. That's just a fun day. (laughs) By the 80s, though, the sighting slowed down. In 1981... Terry Sutton saw the creature while he was out fishing. And a couple years later, Jerry Wayne Scoggins, that's the third Scoggins that showed up Damn, here. Damn, okay. And they are, again, this is this is a family tree with, with one branch. Oh my goodness. <laughs> okay, it's a very big family tree. Very large. Well, he said that he saw the creature hanging around the banks of the Sulphur River south of Falk. It's just, think about the term... Sulfur River <laughs> down in the bottomlands. Oh, yeah. And it's just all of a sudden being like, is it all just farts? <laughs> That's to be. Why, why do they name it like this? It must smell like farts. These Texarkana are not just- smells like farts. It, does it? Because yeah, it's it the great meeting place. And what great <laughs> and what greater meeting place is there on the human body than the butthole? I guess so. <laughs> Now, the Sulphur River seemed to be the Beast's new residence because he was seen there again in 1987 by Peanut Jones on a moonless night as he and his wife were out gigging frogs. That's the fifth anniversary. That's very nice. That's the frog anniversary. (laughs) If they like that, that's wonderful for them. Well, Peanut said he heard a noise, and when he shined his spotlight in the general vicinity, he saw a big hairy creature staring right back at him with two bright red shining eyes. The next sighting was again on Sulphur River, although this one was just off the road. Wait a second, wait a second. Are we by the Sulphur River? Look at them two. Red half dollars in the distance. Look, what is what is he doing? <laughs> yeah. Damn, 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 if the Sulphur River didn't live up to its name. <laughs> on 8.30 a.m. on October 22nd, 1990, Jim Walls and Charles Humbert were driving over the Sulphur River Bridge when they said they smelled an odor so horrible it made them pull over the truck. And really? We, they couldn't drive. It was so bad. And, no we just, and we looked over and then we knew it was, in fact, the sheriff. <laughs> <laughs> Once they pulled over, they looked to their right and saw the source of the smell. A tall, man-like creature covered in shaggy black hair running across an open field. They estimated it weighed about 400 pounds, although they said the face was more human than Simeon. It kind of reminds me, I got trapped into one of those YouTube holes the other day of um, watching uh, offensive linemen accidentally get the ball and run in t- touchdowns. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I always love it because they, they're always been like, look at Tubby run. Like, they're, they're all so <laughs> excited when the about big guys get to score. Like, oh, look at him go. Look at him go. <laughs> like, it's like, come on, man. He's just, he does train. No, He's just I a know. big man. Yes, they are. But that's adorable when they get to score a touchdown. 
A few years later, a man living north of Boggy Creek on the west side of Falk said that he saw a seven-foot-tall dark brown creature playing peekaboo in the woods just off his front lawn. Now, of course, his first instinct was to shoot it, so he went inside and grabbed his pistol. When he got back out, though, the creature was even closer, this time only about 200 feet away. But the man didn't shoot. Huh. Yeah, because this I remember this specific sighting because he talked about it. He had this moment where it's like, I was looking upon him and I saw the ridges of his brows and I knew whatever this beast was, he might have been more man than ape. And I knew I could not fire upon a man unless in war because that's only when the government makes it legal to murder in the name of one's country. Well, look at that. That's very sweet. And we never did find out who Forrest Gump's father was, and perhaps it was this man. Instead, the creature wandered away, and when the man's wife returned from her trip to the grocery store later that evening, her husband was sitting on the front porch holding a flashlight and the pistol just to make sure she got inside safe. Well, that's a very good husband. It is. A couple of years after that, a couple of oldsters were sitting on the second floor of their house with their rifle pointed out the window, which is a regular night for them as they plan to shoot a tasty hog uh, from the herd that usually ran through their place. Ooh, hogs, that's are, not, put- hogs are not ter- nocturnal animals. The herds move at night. That's why you got to put puddles of barbecue sauce just all around. <laughs> Make splash. sure it falls into one. <laughs> Make sure it. Yeah. Splash, splash, splash. Yes, indeed. Natalie, that was the one thing we were talking about is the one kid, there was a story in Legend of Boggy Creek where a kid thought he, originally it was turned out to be the Boggy Creek monster, but he thought it was a deer and he had to run out of the house because he's like, I was trained by my daddy to make sure I saw deer and I get it as, as fast as humanly possible. And I was explaining to Natalie, it's because that's where the food is. They, sure. That's how they get their food yes. is that that thing, they have to go get it because if not, it's just more fucking beans from the Scoggins fields. <laughs> and uh, honestly, I don't know if the beans are that good from the field. I'm not sure. I'm not going to tell him his beans ain't good though. I'll tell you that no, much. Oh, absolutely yeah. not. I'll eat those beans or the grin on my face, no matter how much grit's in them. Absolutely. (laughs) But as the hogs approached, the couple heard a sound that they said sounded like a whistle that turned to gibberish. Then they heard a similar sound in reply. This is the first time that we see the possibility of two creatures. Ooh. Nanog fucking collusion. Also, I've opened up the noise box again if you wanted to do a noise. (laughs) <laughs> oh, and we're taking the noise and we're putting it back in the box and, and now it's locked again then they heard a blood curdling scream from one of the hogs and mixed in was the gibberish howl Ooh, it's open again if you would like <laughs> I love making noises wait what was that is that a turkey like I don't giving, know is that a turkey I... jerking off like David Carradine <laughs> just like <laughs> Choking itself <laughs> as it comes. What is? Oh uh, God! I just yeah. like inventing noises, and this has been my favorite episode we've ever done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, usually I understand. Yeah, the the noise impulse is definitely much more to uh, entertain yourself because I did spend uh, about ten minutes last night doing the cat into the goat into the owl noise and just making myself laugh over yeah, and over oh, and yeah. over. And these wives of ours, these so-called wives, they. <laughs> They're definitely real called wives. They They, are definitely real wives. They are just, oh, so unamused by us practicing Bigfoot sounds inside of our home. What a shocker. Well, the blood-curdling scream mixed with the gibberish howl, that went on for five minutes, howling and squealing, squealing and howling, until finally, silence. (gasps) 
What is this? The soundtrack from Ruckus in the Hog Pen? <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> the next day, the couple went out to the field to see what they could see, but found nothing but a blood stain where the hog had been killed and carried away by creatures unknown. But these are only a few of the many stories people have told concerning the Falk monster. But one of the originators, Smokey Crabtree, popped back up in 2001 and got a hold of the author of the book we used as our main source today. Smokey claimed that 10 years earlier, in 1991, a couple of hunters had discovered a strange carcass without its head near the border of Texas and Louisiana. They believed the bones belonged to the Falk monster, and they figured Smokey Crabtree was the guy to contact. So, the three men entered into an agreement in which the hunters would get a third of any future profits from the skeleton, as well as the right to show it publicly should they choose to do so, while Smokey would take two-thirds of the profits and take care of the verification process to see if this was, in fact, the beast. We are talking tens and tens of dollars here. Almost a <laughs> hundred single dollars. Wow. <laughs> Smokey claimed that he took the remains to several university professors and scientists, paying $10,000 for DNA tests. He paid ten grand for this? I don't even know how he got a hold of ten grand. Oh, my God. He must have, like, mar- mo- like mortgaged the fucking Rockfield? I don't, I don't know. know. I mean, just because he lives in folk don't mean he's poor. No, of oh, course no. not. It's just ten grand is a lot of money no matter what. You yes. can make a lot of money on soybeans. That's true. That is true. I know that. Yes, very true. But the only thing the scientists could tell them was that the bones weren't human. That's interesting, though. I mean, there's so many things that are not human. Well, yes. (laughs) Obviously, on the planet, there are more things that are not human than there are human. Well, give us another 50 years. (laughs) But even so, with the skeleton in his possession, Smokey released a second book called Too Close to the Mirror. Damn, dude. It's a very... It's like saucy. Yeah. <laughs> in this book, he published the photos of the bones, which had been arranged in such a way that made them look like they could be from a mysterious creature. But pretty soon, it was pointed out that the bones were from a big cat. Most likely, a Siberian tiger that is that had escaped from a private zoo somewhere in Texas or Louisiana. I'm your private zookeeper. Yeah. Keeping full money. That's it. Um, That's my entire parody. Yeah. Of Tina Turner's Private Dancer in the style of <laughs> Tina Turner's Private Dancer about being a zookeeper. I have not worked it out all the way. I just right. did it. I just made it up just then. Well, is uh, so this is all you wanted to do here. I'm Lauren Michaels. Uh, that was your SNL audition. That was it. That was it. <laughs> Great. Smokey, meanwhile, insists that he don't know about all that. In his estimation. He was once offered $6,500 for the bones, which was an offer he declined. But if they were just some big cat bones, why the hell would someone offer him $6,500 for the set? Do you see the logic here? I see all the logic. He would still be in the whole $3,500. It sounds like <laughs> both ends of the business deal were stupid. <laughs> he would actually be in more than $3,500 because, remember, he only gets two-thirds of the profits from the ah. skeleton. So yes. he'd have to give, yeah, so he'd make like 4,100. <laughs> he'd make. He'd lose, he's losing a tremendous he's amount of money. losing money. I'm not going to do some quick math here. Just sell the bones. 
I mean, it's kind of cool. It's a Siberian uh, little like uh, cat, you know. It's kind of unique. It's a little tiger. It's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. But there's no head though, and it kind of needs the head for it to be super cool. Yeah, that's the most cool part of a tiger. But you could put a different animal's head on it and like do kind of a jackalope type thing and. You know what? You're, now you're thinking outside the box. Now yep. I'm thinking about a ten grand investment. That is actually is a ten grand investment. <laughs> as far as what the folk monster could be, the answer that's given most is that it's nothing. Mass hysteria. Nothing more than people bored out of their minds making up stories to stave off the mounting existential dread. But other explanations are more fun. Yes. Oh. Yeah, because that last one was really <laughs> depressing. It does remind me of last week's episode where you ended the Jody Arias episode with the word die. Mm-hmm. Um, so, <laughs> Old Willie Smith thought that the animal escaped from a traveling circus because his daughter, Lynn, heard from a man who'd come through Falk back in 1953 that a circus truck had wrecked somewhere thereabouts. And nothing is more solid than rumors about a circus accident. From 1953. Mm -hmm. Yes. Funny thing is, it actually happened. Except it was 1951, not 1953. And lo and behold... Three large monkeys had escaped. Whoa. Okay. Okay. Others say that the Falk monster is actually what's known as a moonshine monster. Mm-hmm. Ooh, yeah, it likes that moonshine. These fictional creatures are a version of cautionary creatures used to keep kids from drowning or getting lost in caves and such. That's why you tell a story about a a creature that lives on the banks of the water because it keeps the kids away from the banks of the water. Sure. But in this case, it was hillbillies spreading rumors about a monster in the woods to keep other hillbillies from discovering their illegal swamp whiskey stills. All of this does sound like, though, an alternative plot from The Goonies 2, where kids always then go and investigate the mysterious monsters. Of course. But sometimes, more often than not, they just end up having sex with each other underneath a waterfall. Well, drinking moonshine. Still others, like Daryl Collier and Alton Higgins of the Texas Bigfoot Research Conservancy, believe that what we're dealing with here is a lost hominid owing to the vast size of the bayous and the abundance of fresh water. And to them, this is the most logical explanation. It's got all the hollers. You got the hollers and the dips and the lowlands, sure. the bottomlands, and you got the midlands and some of the highlands, yeah. and then you've got trees. And there's all sorts of places for these things to hide. Absolutely. <laughs> you've, I think you've nailed every direction possible. Now, the sightings of the Falk monster have all but stopped which some point to as evidence that it was nothing more than mass hysteria in the 60s and 70s that sent aftershocks into the decades beyond. But looked at another way, it could be that the areas around Texarkana and Falk are not quite the swamplands that they once were. A lot of the land has been cleared away for development, and it could be that the Falk monster, like many other animal species, has retreated further into nature never to be seen by human eyes again. That's the Fern Gully ending. Oh, yeah, come back. Come back, monster. (laughs) We want you. We're be friendly with you now. Wow, the legend of Bog Creek. What a legend it is. And that is, I love this American folklore tale. We talk a lot about the uh, Hildefirk and all the other fun folklore of other lands, but we have our own little folklore here, don't we? Oh, yeah, Yeah, the big folk. 
Yeah, yeah. The, the biggest folklore that America is great and is built with good intentions. <laughs> but I really think that That's it is... That's called history. <laughs> this is huge. I, I love this story simply because of the locality of it. I like how... Uh, it has its own personality. Absolutely. And every other Sasquatch is kind of, it's kind of distant. This one feels very nay relatable. Yes, it does. And I'm happy it, no matter whether it be real or not, the money that these people made off of merch was very real for them. And I'm happy it was able to help their economy. Mm-hmm. Very yeah. nice. And, and the movie, you know, gave us Cannibal Holocaust and, you know, Blair Witch Project and Woo! all sorts of other found footage movies. They're going to find that witch one day. One day. One day. Um, this is an announcement. Next week, remember, last podcast and left and side stories are taking the week off. We are going to be doing bullshit. Absolutely. That is not this. And we are excited to share with you next week the first episode of Fraudsters Woo! with Cena Gaznavi and Justin Williams. And I hope you guys are going to love this show. Yes. It's about financial crimes and the first one right out the right out the park. I'm really excited for it. It's about Miss Cleo, which I think is going to be it's going to be pretty great. Call yeah, me now. Stamp of approval. It's fucking great. Mm-hmm. Love it, and uh, Ab- Ablingen's Top Hat, I'll still be doing that. Kind of fun, I'll still be doing that, and uh, the LPN show. So we'll still have plenty of shows for you guys to enjoy. Uh, this week's uh, Ablingen's Top Hat special episode, we were joined uh, by our friends, the Lucas Brothers, uh, to discuss their new, uh, soon-to-be hit film, I Judas and the Black Messiah, all about uh, Fred Hampton, a civil rights hero that was wow. killed way too soon. So that was a super exciting interview, and it was nice to reconnect with our old friends, and they're doing so good. I hope um, they're doing good. Yes, good they dudes. are. That essay that they wrote for Vulture was also very, Fantastic. very, very good. They're very talented. So thank you all so much for listening. I hope you're doing as well as you can in these crazy times. Uh, we'll Last podcast on- merch. Yeah, don't forget to plug the merch. We'll keep on trucking like we always do, guys. And gals, never forget, hail yourselves. Hail Satan. Hail Gene. Magustulations. Hail me. Oh, I will, I will. And to the people of Texacana, Texacana hang in there. Texarcana. Text, I'm not going to text anyone. Machete, don't text. Cook me some Cook me some This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.